When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Being a parent can be really challenging. Child and Family Resource Network focuses on connecting pregnant parents and those with kids under the age of five with free support services to help them on their parenting journey. Everyone deserves someone they can turn to for help with parenting. Visit ChildAndFamilyResourceNetwork.org today. What's up? What's up? Welcome in GC Live Monday edition. I am Wes Mitchell. He is Chris Clark, and uh, we are glad to be back on the show after what would be a busy weekend, I would say, in Gamecock Nation. And uh, we will go through all of that here with you today on today's Monday show. We will take your questions, your comments, and your concerns, and then we'll talk about the three new coaches, Chris. Actually, three new coaches. Um, announced this weekend, then two of those coaches introduced by Shane Beamer, and then a third, Justin Stepp, who was also actually already announced last week, but um, officially got on campus on Sunday and was then introduced to uh, the media today. So you had Marcus Satterfield, Clayton White, and uh, Justin Stepp, uh, introduced and then talked to you know today and Shane Beamer obviously talked a little bit as well. Uh, shout out to everybody there in our chat as always. If you're not watching on YouTube, that's the absolute best place to watch. But we certainly appreciate you watching on Twitter, Facebook, or listening on the podcast as well. Uh, Chris, lots to sort through with the pressers today. Um, what what is your what was your first thought though? just listening or watching today or, or certainly um, after you've had at least a, a, a little while to start to sort of process everything. Yeah. Lots of interesting stuff. You know, I go back to the first guy who spoke Shane Beamer, the head man. He, uh, I thought his, um, I don't know, you could call it a performance today. I mean, I think he was just, he was just speaking sort of very frankly. Um, I thought it was a heck of a press conference for him. Um, a lot of people wonder, you know, Shane Beamer's personality is, is he's such a likable guy. Everybody in the industry that I've ever spoken with or heard from likes the guy, has great things to say about him. He's a networker type. He knows everybody, it seems like, and has a good relationship with so many people. And um, a lot of people wondered, you know, what would he, his personality, how would it be sort of when he got in the big chair? I think he's shown that, um, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. I think, does that make sense? Like a little bit of an edge that maybe 
I didn't anticipate even uh, with some of the things that he was talking about. Um, I thought it was also, you know, that it was also a little bit, uh, you know, refreshing in this day and age of like coach speak and keeping things very even keel and down the middle. And that Shane Beamer said in regards to sort of this assistant hiring process, he said, I made some mistakes, you know, with just with how maybe he handled different things. I don't know what specifically he was talking about, but I just thought that was really interesting, Wes, because um, obviously you, when you're in the head coaching chair for the first time, even if you've observed, observed it forever, even if you've worked for a lot of good people, even if you have a really good sense of what you want to do, where you want to go, it is your first time. And I know I've jumped into a job before this one, 11 years ago, and I'll be frank, I was not ready for it. <laughs> Shane Beamer was a lot more prepared than I was, but I made a lot of mistakes. I learned things the hard way, and I thought it was sort of refreshing that he talked about some of those things, uh, but he he just had some really strong opinions, and, and I would go back to that word I use, an edge. He sort of had an edge to him during the press conference today when he was talking about the processes and, and the assistant coaching hires. Yeah, man, and I, I think um... – no, like you said, no, no coach speak here. Um, now, if he if he didn't want to answer a question, you know, he didn't he didn't answer it. I, right. I think um, you know, like he he did, he's and he very smartly was like, I ain't gonna go through the whole roster, so I'm gonna I'm gonna send you guys a roster at some point. Uh, so he avoided the questions about individuals, but um, man, the uh, the reactions and, and I, I think. As far as just telling it how it is and telling it how he sees it, my, my my thing, my takeaway was just something we sort of knew was the case, but I don't know if we expected it to be so front and center in the press conference. But but this idea of Beamer hiring guys that want to be at South Carolina, hiring guys that are loyal, and you know, and and he. He mentioned this. Obviously, he's not a complete idealist to the sense of not living in reality. You you know if coaches do a good job at your place, other people are going to try to hire him away, right? Yeah. That, general, that's, that's a good sign if people are trying to hire your people away. It means you've got good coaches. And sometimes you're going to lose a guy because of a promotion as far as, you know, getting a better – situation as far as job title sometimes you're gonna you're gonna be on the reverse end of what happened with Justin Stepp in South Carolina sometimes you know Arkansas probably did nothing wrong it's just that Justin Stepp was from the Columbia area and grew up going to games at Williams Price Stadium so sometimes you're gonna be on the other end of that and if that happens you shake a coach's hand thank them for their contributions and then move on but I think this sense of uh, woe is me at South Carolina or, you know, maybe even a sense that South Carolina is an SEC job, but a lower tier SEC job. Uh, he he doesn't want anybody that sees it that way. Uh, you know, and and I think it was very clear, you know, he said, he said, I, I don't want guys coming to me with problems if they're not going to also say, here are some solutions. So, uh, very, just very candid, very open, very honest. And, you know, even talking about, uh, you know, sort of where things are, if you are a first year head coach, you're probably not 
coming in because the team won the SEC last year. You know, this is a two and eight team. Now he stopped short of calling it a, calling it a rebuild. He wants to stay away from that. But just the the idea. Well, of, of course, of course, there's problems with the football team. They won two games. That's why he was hired. So um, I, I took it as like, hey, circle the wagons. The guys that are here as coaches are the guys that Beamer wants here. You certainly hope those guys want to be here too. And, um, you know, you got to hit the ground running because the, the guys are in town, the, the team is in town, and it's time to roll. Those were my takeaways. Yeah, and, and in some ways it's a lot different. It's a, it's a much different space. It's a different vibe and, and feel. But I think you can think about the coaching hire, the assistant coaching hire situation a little bit like recruiting almost, right, where there's been so much focus on this guy said no, or this guy maybe isn't interested, or they couldn't make this or that work. And I understand those things. And one reason why there's so much focus on that is, is we're living in 2021 now. And, you know, in 1995 or whatever, you may have read about some coaching candidates that came up for a job in the newspaper, maybe, but probably not, you know. And so and, and you may have read about it late now. It's real time. As soon as there are vacancy, as soon as there's a vacancy, people want to know who are the top five candidates. When are they interviewing? Who's got the best shot? What do each of them bring to the table? And that, and that's fine. That's our job. Uh, I love that aspect of it at times. But um, it's just much different. And so now you hear so much about here's who's in the mix. And then if people hear someone's in the mix and it's not that person, maybe they're automatically disappointed. You know, so here, here's why I draw the line to recruiting and sort of a parallel is you know, in recruiting, there's going to be at South Carolina or other schools, you're going to send out 100, 200 offers in a, in a given recruiting cycle. Um, some of those guys you got no shot with for a variety of reasons. Some you do have a shot with. What does count at the end? Who are the guys that you sign and are they good? It doesn't really matter who you passed on. It doesn't matter who told you no. At the end of the day, make good decisions because guess what? If you do miss out, let's say you're recruiting some big time defensive end and you lose out on them. Bummer, right? Who are you going to go get? You know, you, you still need a defensive end. So um, I think the key is it's not, it's the focus is a lot of times on who you didn't get, but who did you get and are they good coaches? And we, we've even used some examples recently here, Wes on the show about maybe guys that were, either smaller name hires before, right? Jay Graham, G.A. Mangus, you know, guys like that, or guys like Ellis Johnson who weren't the first choice for whatever reason, and then they ended up being the hire and they did well. So we don't know how this is going to turn out, right? But, um, you know, th there probably does need to be more focus on, on who's here and what kind of job are those people going to do. And I think there are some some interesting things today said by these guys. Yeah, no doubt. Um we by the way, we got we gotta get a name and a sponsor for the old chat over here soon because <laughs> these guys are cracking me up today. Um J E says uh for somebody to say something nice about Chris because he felt bad that everybody's been mean last week. Um Craig said you're special, Chris. We we appreciate that, Craig. And uh, Jay said that you uh, you bathed today and Iris Spring has renewed their sponsorship. So Maybe Irish Spring can have the chat. Yeah, uh, sponsorship. Great idea. Um, 
Steven asks, what are the chances that Helensky comes back? I um, it, That was another question that Shane Beamer clearly did not want to go into. I I tend to think that it's not happening. Um, you know, there there has, I mean, there has been, you know, I, I think so, some interest, I, I think, in that. I'll say it like this. I don't think Helensky shut the door completely, even though he entered the transfer portal. I don't think he shut the door completely about the fact that, uh, you know, he was just gone and that was it. But it just, Chris, I think the best way to say it, it has not seemed like there was a lot of movement towards Helensky coming back. Um, yes. You know, so we'll, we'll see. But I, I personally don't see it being in the cards. We'll see if something changes. I'll be curious to see where he lands. I actually, I've heard I've heard two separate Big Ten schools come up um, as rumors. Now I don't, you know, who knows if that will actually happen. Happen, but you know, we'll see from there. But yeah, to answer your question, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. Let, let's go into, I would say each guy a little bit, Chris, and let's start with with Clayton White, which is who South Carolina started with with the pressers today. And about what I thought, you know, and that's that's my first time hearing him talk, actually, but a super nice guy, which is something that, you know, has, has always come up that this guy is just a genuine human being. That was my first sort of um, inclination from him as well. He talked a bit about the scheme, and I think also the, the, his point there was kind of, hey, you, you can't know what your scheme is until you see your guys. But every coach sort of has, what would you sort of say, has their fastball, right? Like this is their go-to. And for him, that's been some version of the four-two-five, And he called it a multiple aggressive version of the four-two-five, which I think are two of the prime defensive coordinator buzzwords uh, these, you know, these days. Multiple, everybody wants to be multiple in offense and defense. But I, I think um, that – Traditionally has has been a good fit. That idea, the four two five, has been a good fit for South Carolina and the types of players that South Carolina has traditionally been able to sign. Yeah, and you know, I went back. So I, I went back and watched some of his stuff from Western Kentucky, his DC, and um, also talked to some people who are really familiar with his defensive system. And um, I think multi- multiple was a word that came up a lot. And, and a lot of people say that, right? But, you know, what does that really mean? So to break it down a little bit more, and White mentioned this today too, you think of a four-two-five base, that is sort of the base. But there's some other things that he's done. You know, for instance, sometimes his look looks a little bit more like a like a three-man three front, you know, with three down linemen and a stand-up edge rusher. Uh, there were some formations I saw defensively where he's got two down linemen and two stand-up edge rushers. Um, I was told that he he calls with an aggressive mentality. Um, he's creative on third downs, so the goal was to get guys into third down. I, and he, you know, obviously defensive coordinator's goal, but on third downs, he tries to get creative and mix things up. You know, he'll play some man, he'll, he'll play some zone, but he wants to try to make defenses third deep, make low percentage throws. And his scheme is tough against the run, you know, is, is another thing that came up from a couple of people that I talked to. Um, he sort of places an emphasis on that. Um, there's there's a good bit on the guys up front, the players, you know, responsibility-wise, in order to be able to stop the run, and, the, and then some different game stuff that they'll do, you know, in terms of pass rushing. But um, 
South Carolina does have some guys back, which was the good news, you know, up front that I that I think can help them in that regard. That the bigger question is going to be on the back end. That's that's another discussion though. But yeah, Clayton White has a pretty good reputation in terms of how he's going to structure the defense. Yeah, and I think um, he, he's been one of those guys, Chris, that as soon as the name comes up and the name came up for South Carolina, you start sort of asking around, start reaching out, and you find out how well-respected this guy is among his colleagues. And, you know, there, there are certainly – there are big-name coaches in this business and guys who everybody sort of knows who they are, obviously – you know, a Derek Mason, he was a head coach at Vanderbilt. So everybody, when that name came up, everybody recognized it. But there are uh, dozens, maybe hundreds of coaches that are really good at what they do that we we don't necessarily, they aren't household names that we know instantly. And I think those are the guys you sort of have to start to dig in, like, you know, as we've been doing and start to see, What's out there? What can you gather? Um, what do they do schematically? What are they like as a person, as a recruiter? I I think just listening to Clayton White talk, I don't think he's going to be the recruiter that's that's like out there selling, you know, selling above and beyond. Basically, a, a used car salesman recruiter. I think he's going to be the recruiter that connects with certain types of kids and parents that are just looking for honesty and just looking for a guy who's straightforward with them. Um, you know, and, and I, I think that that can be a, a good fit at, at South Carolina. And I, I think he's got some, you know, I, I think depending on the, the final DB hire as well, you've got some guys who, you know, who hopefully can recruit around him as far as the defense goes. I think Mike Peterson has done a good job in his time at South Carolina. If, Certainly, if it ends up being Torian Gray um, in the secondary, this is a guy who has definitely proved he can sign players. So, um, you know, we'll see. But I think he, he's going to be a guy that, that parents do like a lot. Yeah, genuine, real sort of guy. And, again, that that was the main thing. Shane Beamer touched on that. He said, I honestly had to start prompting people to, okay, let's talk about football a little bit. Like, <laughs> how is he as a coach? You know, because – the the main thing that people wanted to talk about is how good of a person he was. And, and that was the main thing that came up to, you know, when I was ta- asking people about him too. Now that doesn't mean it was at the expense. Oh, he's a great person. Just an okay coach. It wasn't that. It's just that he's one of those type of guys that is a relationship builder. Um, he sort of has that, that about him. And, and that's a really good point on the recruiting thing is, you know, like when you look at this staff, you don't say, Oh, well here, here's, you know, three or four guys who've been at these programs who are just known for signing all these different players. And um, we know that doesn't always translate for certain guys, right? You know, is it, are they recruiting more to a logo? Are they able to get it done like on their own? That's what you have to differentiate between. And so with this staff that South Carolina has put together, some of the hires are a little bit more outside the box, right? Um, Some of them are guys that, maybe don't have the big SEC recruiting experience. Some of Eric Henry doesn't have experience at all in terms of college recruiting, having done it before, but he's a guy that we've heard some really good early returns on because of how smart he is, how much he loves the university. So I I think it's really intriguing and a good blend 
and it's and it's going to give South Carolina potentially a unique path. Now they got to get players. That's going to be the main thing. It doesn't really matter. You can be a really really good coaching staff if you have inferior players with the kind of schedule they're going to play every year. It's going to make it really difficult. But they may be able to connect with some of the players that they need to get here. Talented guys who are really good kids. Um, it may even give them an edge in some cases. That certainly has to be the hope. Yeah, so uh, Justin asks, is it fair to say this is going to be a significantly different look than opponents are used to seeing in terms of scheme and aggressiveness? Um, you know, Chris, I, I don't know if we can say that with certainty because, you know, m- most defenses are doing fairly similar things. E- even if Even if structurally – you know, this group's a zone group, maybe this group's more of a man group, or this one's a four-man, this one's a three-man. Throughout the course of a season, you probably see most of what's out there at some point, if, if that makes sense. Like, I, I don't think Clayton White's going to be doing things defensively, structurally, or play-calling-wise that just nobody's ever seen. You know, I mean, there, there's only so many different ways you can run defense. Yeah, but um, again, I'll, I'll go back to fit. I, I think for one, the four-two-five can work uh, against spread offenses. Two, it is very multiple. Three, honestly, we we can get caught up in four-two-five versus four-three and all this stuff. But but really, I mean, South Carolina was has been in their nickel package a huge portion of the time. Um, the last, you know, since Muschamp was got to Columbia and really even, you know, before that, I mean, all the four, two, five is, is basically your nickel package and your nickel back is sometimes called, you know, like a spur or, or something like that. And sometimes it's more of like a hybrid guy. That's kind of a linebacker, kind of a, you know, kind of a DB, you know, Antonio Allen, um, Devonte Holloman type guy. But I mean, if, if South Carolina, was running this last year, the same guys who were playing the nickel probably would have been the guys playing the spur, I would guess. So I I think four two five is something we talk about. Um and it's gonna it's probably I'll say it like this, Chris. I think the fact that it's a four two five defense is probably going to be over um analyzed. Like it's gonna be talked about as being some different thing right. when Frankly, it's probably not that different. Um, the, the biggest difference now, and, and there may even still be, we, we've got to dive in, Chris. I know you've done some diving in. Maybe you can hit on this. Is, is there a buck or, you know, is there that hybrid stand-up guy? Or do you think it's going to be more true, this guy's a defensive end, this guy's a defensive end? I know you said there will be some three-man looks from what you've seen, but most of the time do you think it's more, uh, traditional defensive ends. Yeah, so that is that is sort of the question, and I think it depends on how they're structuring it. Again, I saw some tape, some looks where you got, you know, basically two tackles, and then you got two ends, or you've got uh, sort of a three-man front with a stand-up edge rusher, which may look, in some instances, like uh, some of the some of the stuff that South Carolina's run in the past with the Buck. Remember, South Carolina in the past, the Buck, for instance, could be. Uh, you know, standing up on the edge, could be out in the flat covering somebody, could be used in that spinner position, which is almost lined up over the center like a Mike linebacker. 
um, or just as a down lineman. We've seen that. But I, I think what they typically call it, I think, in the defense is they is they call it, you know, two defensive ends and, and sort of a, a tackle and like a shade nose type guy. Um, but, they again, they have so many – not so many, but they've got some different looks to where I don't know if they call it a buck. I think it's just mainly two defensive ends is sort of how they structure it. I got you. Um, all right, so let's let's move on to uh, Marcus Satterfield. Somebody, Chris, that obviously Shane Beamer is very comfortable with, very familiar with. Uh, they coached together as grad assistants at Tennessee 20 years ago. Um, dude, I got to imagine being a grad assistant along with somebody else probably, you know, assuming the personalities are a match and assuming – you guys just get along in general. You, there's probably a lot of people that are friends for life based on being grad assistants together because the thing, I mean, the things you hear about just the grind that being a college football, especially SEC level at a place like Tennessee, I mean, what do you think? Like 80 hour weeks and not really making any money. I mean, you're, you're like sleeping in the closet type thing uh, at the facility, rough stuff, but it's probably one of those things where you bind around how much, how awesome that your GA at Tennessee is, plus how much it sucks, how how little sleep you're getting, and all this stuff, you know. So clearly, going back to a trust factor and guys that bought into to, to Shane Beamer, um, even and I, and I don't know, I don't know how how much we want to read in or, or how far you can take. Um, the uh, the one quote from Satterfield uh, talking about um, this is a bunch of guys with something to prove. It's not some retreads that got fired from an NFL team or a former offensive coordinator at the tail end of his career. Um, I, I don't know how much you want to read into to comments there, but um, clearly Marcus Satterfield has Shane Beamer's back and is very loyal, I think, to Shane Beamer. Yeah, he is, and you know that that wasn't the only comment today. Beamer had several that were uh, that were interesting, you know, on that front. Um, but yeah, I, I think, but there is something to be said for that. Again, it, it's a results business, and so you know, in the next few years, we're all going to see how this goes. But it is it is a little bit of a different approach, right? It's you've got some guys who have some skin in the game, whether it's someone like Camry who. You know, you said it the other day, Wes. You're not sure if you know anybody who who loves South Carolina like Eric Henry. Cer- certainly, nobody in the coaching profession, right? And so, uh, or not many people. So, so you got him. You got Step coming back as a Palmetto State guy. You got a guy like Des Kitchings, who's just really intelligent, really organized. Everybody he knows, everybody, everybody likes Des Kitchings, and he does a tremendous job. While not a Gamecock, you know, until he got here another South Carolina guy. Um, you know, you've got someone like Luke Day, who's just a really, from what we've heard, in a, when I use the word unique in a good way, but just a different type of strength coach, right? Just a different type of personality. And then you've got, you know, Shane Beamer, who obviously loves this place. So it is a different vibe. You've got some guys who, you know, are going to be loyal to Shane Beamer and some guys who, you know, are going to be loyal to the University of South Carolina. It's a different feel, different vibe. And so – um are those things that can help you in recruiting sometimes, you know, sometimes being a little bit different in recruiting 
or a place like South Carolina, who's not a logo school, um, those can be differentiators for you. And that's what South Carolina's got to find is some differentiators in the recruiting process. Yeah, and I, dude, I'm I, I firmly believe, especially on the offensive side of the ball, um, I I think this is actually a heck of a recruiting group on offense. Now, is, is it necessarily quite those SEC name guys we've talked about in the past? Um, no, but Des Kitchings is as good as they come as far as taking care of his room. And you know, we've talked about this in the past. The guys that recruit well and, and take care of their room and that they have talent, depth, and they develop it in their room. Justin Stepp is as good as they are at taking care of his room. Getting in on guys is a perfect – I think his personality is a perfect match for, for other wide receivers. Like, he just – he meshes well with guys and um, busts his tail in recruiting. I mean, you got Texas – you got Texas wide receivers tweeting out um, that they've been offered by, by Stepp on Friday night. So – he uh he was he was putting in the the work on Friday night getting some some offers out there and then like we talked about Eric Kimry is going to be awesome um I, I think he'll do a great job with that position and I think probably we'll have some local areas where, where he will do a good job as well we'll see who the O line coach ends up being I think you know the, the biggest key there will be just um you know can, can Marcus if Marcus Satterfield can can hold down the fort at quarterback and um you know, keep a guy named Gunnar Stockton committed or, uh, you know, just take care of that position. And this offense, I think, is going to be able to to sign some players, even if the the names on that side aren't these glamour names necessarily. They're all really, really good and, and good fits. And um, let, let's, let's go into Satterfield as a scheme, you know, a little bit, then we'll get, I guess, into Justin's step. I don't know that we know – what this scheme is going to be yet because I it's kind of like we talked about probably this time last year honestly man the scheme will be dictated by the players now we know they're going to be pulling from stuff Satterfield has done in the past we know I'm sure they'll be pulling some Joe Brady stuff this guy's like the hottest name uh you know in football right now uh Matt Rule you know and those guys I'm sure um th- there's there's going to be an impact from, from what he did at, at Carolina. And then, of course, uh, you know, the Lincoln-Riley effect and some things from Oklahoma. But what they actually do as far as play calling and scheme will really, I think, be determined this spring by the players. Yeah, they're going to have to assess that going into the spring as they, as they build out, you know, their install, what they want to put in on the offense. And, and this is interesting because, obviously, like Marcus Satterfield has – a background as being an offensive coordinator and he's also run different stuff. So you can go back and look at what some of what they did at Temple. You saw some stuff where they're, they're lining up in I formation. You also saw some spread stuff in, in his career. And now he's because of, you know, his travels in the coaching industry. Now he's seen the Joe Brady side of things. He, they have these Oklahoma concepts that they want to put in, which again, guys, these aren't like some foreign concept. You know, like a lot of Oklahoma, what they run, a lot of that stuff has been around a long time, and you just sort of build on it. Lincoln Riley, again, we talked about this a ton. They put more run game stuff in. When he got to Oklahoma, they run the ball a lot. Marcus Satterfield mentioned today, Oklahoma's not out there going a million miles an hour. Sort of a misconception about them that they're, A, throwing it all around, and that they're, B, going 
Mach 100 or whatever out there. They're not, they're not doing that. So um, that is sort of the most intriguing thing about this offense is what is it going to look like? And so will, will you see some of the run game stuff that we saw sort of this past year? Maybe so, because when you assess this team, what would you project the one thing that they're probably going to be able to do with some semblance of success next year that is run the ball, given what they return on the offensive line, given what they return at running back and the questions that are everywhere else. I think the bigger question is just how do they get to it in the run game? And then what does everything else look like? Yeah, shout out to uh, our buddy Gamecock Rush, Russ in the chat. And uh, Russ pointing out that um, Satterfield said he was very high on the running backs and mentioned, you know, some guys returning. And then mentioned some guys coming off injury. We all know he's talking about Marshawn Lloyd there. So I I think we would all pinpoint, you know, the running backs as being a, a strength that's coming back for this team. And obviously it didn't take him long. He's been the coach for two days, and he, he's seeing that as well. Uh, Chris, he, he was very high on the capability of this offensive line as well. So I, I think clearly they, they lose some some guys in, uh, you know, a Sedarius Hutchinson. Really a, a big loss, but you look at what they did last year, uh, and we'll, we'll be diving into this stuff all year long, I'm sure, all offseason, but really good job in run blocking. Uh, a lot to be, I would say, desired maybe in, in pass pro. So we'll see sort of how that group develops, if they move some guys around, their vision for it. But I, I do like the point that Satterfield has now coached every single position on offense, which I think gives you uh, maybe some unique vision for what works and what doesn't when you're asking a guy to do too much and, and stuff like that. And I do think it's interesting, man. Did you notice there is a very distinct um, special teams background theme on the staff? I mean, you look, obviously Shane's a special teams guy. You look um, Pete Limbo, who, you know, is – Carolina's special teams coordinator has built his career on special teams. But then you look at Clayton White, he was a special teams guy as well. So that that considering how important special teams have been in the Beamer lineage, that that kind of just caught my attention. Des Kitching's special teams background too. Yeah, Des Kitching's special teams guy. Probably somebody else out there that I'm not thinking of. But yeah, I mean that is, I mean, it, it's you know, having having some coaches that are well-rounded, definitely not a bad thing. I mean, it's almost like in sports, like you don't have to specialize. You know, some of the really good coaches out there have coached multiple positions. And, you know, Satterfield was talking about Eric Camry today and said, really, you know, if we needed him to coach anything, he could go coach anything. You know, I mean, he could coach – Camry's background is in quarterbacks, but he's an offensive play caller by trade in high school. And so he knows, you know, how all the different parts work. And so – you do have that. And for, and for an OC, I mean, look, there's a lot of really great ones out there that have only maybe coached one position or by trade their one position coach. Satterfield has bounced around to several different positions. and That can arguably give you a, a, another, you know, just another unique perspective as well. So, yeah, definitely um, some, some diversity in background, you know, when you look at the whole staff. All right, let's go into Justin Stepp, a guy that we know was uh, – we knew he was excited to get here. But based on the reaction from the fans and what I've seen on Twitter, what I've seen on the Insider Forum there on Gamecock Central, the fans were blown away, I think, with Justin Stepp 
the passion that he showed today. Uh, you know, he threw in what I think a rushes um, reference in there, Zestos. He said uh, he was talking about how how cool it is to to be coaching at the same place that Don Staley coaches. I mean, I, honestly, Justin Step and I, I was doing the JB and Goldwater show, so I didn't get to listen to the whole thing. I'm going to go back and, and watch it. But Justin Step sounded to me like what it would be like if one of the people in our chat room on the show was named a South Carolina assistant coach. You know, like just completely blown away. This was this was not, oh, yeah, guys, this is my dream job. And then the very next place the guy goes, oh, this has always been my dream to be here. You know, just coaching crap. That, that was not what this was. This was like I have to – I have to like get myself – make sure I'm good. I have to compose myself type of, hey, I'm a coach at South Carolina. Again, we we said it before. We said he's a perfect hire. I I tend to still believe that. Yeah, I mean, again, and that goes back to the guy that we talked about earlier. Guys with like skin in the game, passion. That does that equate to you doing a good job? No, but it can help, and indirectly, even sometimes directly. And so, uh, yeah, it looked like Clayton White was maybe just going to like stop and pinch himself in the middle of the in the middle of the press conference, and had a lot of anecdotes about that. But um. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a guy that definitely uh, highly interested in being here. Wes, one thing we got to run down, we got to figure out who else was after Clayton White because that's come up several times. Um, I remember even Pete Thamel, we broke the hire. The news of the hiring mentioned that too, that he'd sort of been sought after this offseason. So um, a guy that, you know, has been pretty highly regarded in the industry and apparently has had some other opportunities as well. Yeah, so um, with, with Step, Chris, um, I know we've we've sort of already kind of tracked. It's it's not hard to see what he's done on the recruiting trail. I mean, you can just look at Arkansas's commitment list and see some of the receivers. But the the guy has already gotten to work. Uh, it appears, and I'm I, I'm I really think to to put this completely selfishly, Chris, for us, I'm I think because Justin Step has been hired the day where we don't have to say, hey, so like we've said a thousand times, South Carolina's wide receivers are the biggest question mark on the offense this year. And South Carolina has to fix their receiver room if they're ever going to be a good on offense. I honestly think those days will one day soon come to an end, and it will be because of Justin Stepp. Yeah. Well, you mentioned taking care of your room, and – um you know, that, that's something that Des Kitchings has kept, typically done during his career now. Fortunately for everybody, you know, South, Kevin Harris was in that room, and Kevin did a great job. Des did a good job with him. The offensive staff did a good job with Kevin last year, um, and also Marshawn Lloyd was on the roster. But, you know, we know that Des is, A, going to develop those guys, and then, B, he's going to keep restocking that room. Juju McDowell had a really big year for his high school team. 2022 guys that Des Kitchens has his eye on. You know, he's got some good ones that he has a legitimate shot with. I anticipate that's going to be the case with Steph as well. He, he's the kind of dynamic coach that, given some stability in the program, which South Carolina will now have because of a new coach, right? Um, 
they're, they're going to have that clock. They're going to have that timeline. And when you give step that sort of material to work with, for lack of a better term, I think he's going to be able to go and sign some players. He's always done that. He's learned from some coaches who know how to sign players. He's got a good track record with it himself. He's a really charismatic guy with Palmetto State ties at a job that he really, really covets and and wants to be here. I think all those things add up to what you said, Wes. I think at some point in the near future, um, he's going to be stocking some talent in that receiver room. Yes, very soon, I think, um, as far as him getting on the trail. You look at this 2022 class, there's some guys out there, man. There's some dudes in state um, who who are good at receiver. And then certainly you're going to see him use the ties he's built when he was at Arkansas. Already has relationships with a lot of guys in the southeast anyway. And you're going to see that start to pay off with that 2022 class, I think, pretty quickly. Uh, Craig says, my buddy is the head coach at Williston-Elko. That, of course, here in South Carolina. He roomed with Josh Stepp, who would be Justin's brother. He's the coach at Georgia State. Does a phenomenal job, too, by the way. Both Stepp step brothers do an outstanding job um, based on everything I've ever heard about them. And, you know, I I think there might be a day you could see Josh Stepp end up at South Carolina. He's done a really good job with the tight ends at at Georgia State. And uh, But Craig said that he thinks Justin is going to crush it at USC, he being the head coach at Williston Elko. And that, Craig and everybody else, is a sentiment that is shared by a lot of head coaches or assistant coaches at the high school level um, throughout this state, just because those guys have developed a relationship or, excuse me, a reputation in relationships with, with guys around the state for really for a long time. So I, I think no doubt he's going to kill it. As uh, Russ says, uh, Justin Stepp said, nobody will outwork me. I tend to believe that, and and we'll see it, I I think, pay off for South Carolina. Let's go into the guy we did not get introduced to today, although I would actually love to hear from him, Chris. Hopefully we will at some point. That being another very, I say, unique guy in Luke Day, comes comes in as South Carolina's new strength and conditioning coach, someone that um, I believe uh, we'll get along outstandingly with Eric Kimry because um, of their motto. They both have the same motto of struggle well. I had a feeling those two guys met and were like, did we just become best friends? But um, Day, someone very well thought of. This name was not circulating much. We uh, we got tipped off to it. When did all this happen, man? I, the, all the days have run together. Wh- whatever day, Day – Whatever day that day was hired, he uh, we got tipped off a couple hours before it sort of happened. But you start diving into him, Scott Sinclair Tree. And for those who don't know, Scott Sinclair is the coach at Georgia, someone that obviously Beamer uh, sort of came into contact with when Beamer was at Georgia, someone that Beamer is very high on, and they – was Sinclair's assistant when Sinclair was at Marshall. So then Day takes over at Marshall, sort of strangely briefly left and went to Colorado where he was with his buddy Tyson Summers, defense coordinator out there, then comes back to Marshall. But, you know, Chris, you and I have done some checking on this one. Sounds like the the folks at Marshall and the kids at Marshall, more importantly, really, really like uh, Luke Day. Yeah, that's, you know, talking to people over at Marshall uh, who, who know that program real well, cover it, 
they, they speak really highly of him. And more importantly, the people who know Luke Day, you know, the players, the parents, um, everybody associated speak really highly of him too. Like you said, he was with Sinclair. Even then, a lot of people really, really liked Day, thought that he was going to go on to some bigger and better things even and uh, did a really good job there at Marshall. And like you said, man, a unique personality. He's sort of a uh, – he's, he's a thinker type, you know, um, but also, you know, just beyond that, he does he does a good job preparing the team, which which is important. So, you know, one, one thing that Beamer mentioned when he got the South Carolina job, he said he wanted to build the premier culture in college football. And so he didn't talk – I mean, he talked about winning and things like that, but he talked a little bit more about the, the things that go into that. And he talked about culture. And, and it really seems like he's of the belief that not just saying, you know, every college football team is to say, oh, we got a good culture here or we're going to build a culture. But, like, how do you do that? And so for Beamer, it seemed like he's taken some steps and made some hires that are going to actually contribute to that, not just saying we're going to have a culture and let's just hire, you know, or we're going to have a culture and let's just do this or that. You know, he, he sort of made some calculated moves in building that. And so Day is a guy that, by all accounts, is a culture driver type, and he can do it in sort of a unique way. You know, he's not just rah-rah, big strength coach that yells a lot or whatever. He's a, he's a little bit of a diff, different type of guy. Like you said, an Eric Kimry-esque sort of like personality. Um, Chris, the other news from today – J.J. Inigbare announcing that he will be back. This is something, you know, you and I had sort of tried to – we tried to track it a little bit. I don't think we dove into it as much because there was just so much going on. We're trying to track who was coming back, who wasn't coming back, and a a situation there where Inigbare announces today that he is back. And Clayton White uh, sort of said, hey, you know, I've seen this guy around the facility the last two days as much as anybody. And – a, a guy that I, I sort of think is is a key key get for South Carolina, considering how many kids on defense did you know decide to transfer and some some meaningful contributors that left. Obviously, you you lose Ernest Jones to um, you know to to the NFL, and I also wondered. You remember when Beamer said that one of the key guys on defense came and sat down in his office and just wanted to hang out for a little while yesterday, I I wondered, I was trying to put two and two together on who that may be. Obviously, I have no idea. But with White saying Enigbare has been around the facility as much as anybody the last two days, and then Enigbare making his decision, you know, known, I don't know when he actually made the decision, when he announced it was this afternoon, it sort of made me wonder if that was who he was talking about. But what do you think – of the impact a veteran Enigbare could have on this defense? Because, Chris, I'm thinking, based on what we know right now, this defensive line is going to have to help carry South Carolina's defense next year. Yeah, you're exactly right. That's going to have to be the starting point. The, the bigger questions are going to be in, in the back seven, you know, and so um, they're going to have to have a good performance. And, and Enigbare was somebody that, I'll be quite honest, you wondered about, you know, in that transition period because you wondered, hey, will he try to go pro? Or, hey, will he try to go play um, his last year or really could have been two years um, at another school because 
several of the people involved in recruiting him, Will Muschamp, Javaris Robinson gone, could Mike Peterson be gone? We know now, no, but um, all those things were out there. But, yeah, I think it was a couple or a few days ago, Wes, I, I heard that Enigbari seemed on board and seemed excited about what was going on at South Carolina. And fortunately for the Gamecocks, getting him back, I mean, is huge. I mean, he's a guy that obviously put up some really big sack numbers. He's developed really well. He'll be their most proven pass rusher and probably their most dynamic player um, f- from from the jump in the 2021 season. So I think it was huge to be able to get him back. You know, and then you pair him with, you know, a guy like Aaron Sterling who's coming back. You know, was a senior last year, but coming back again, our understanding, adding some other guys in there that are back that have a chance, still have some room to grow, like a Zach Pickens, even a Rick Sandage, you know, Jordan Birch, obviously – They've got some pieces to work with to where if they can take another step forward, you know, they're going to have to carry this defense. And Igbari is a big part of that. All right, so we're about to finish out the show here. Our, our boy Shellen. Hey, Shellen, you seem a little bit more in a better mood on uh, on Monday. So if, if Shellen can say positive things, maybe anybody can. But uh, he asked if Byron Gerardo is, is going to be back and – just because Shellen has been in a good positive mood today, we can talk about that. And maybe we'll talk about let's reward the people who have waited for the who have stayed with us for the entire 50 minutes and talk a little bit about staff. Yes, uh, I'm expecting Byron Gerardo to be back um, on the strength um, staff. He, he may already be here, actually. I don't know when or if that's completely entirely official, but based on everything I think we've heard, it's, it's happening. Some other former players I, I think could be back on staff as well. I would anticipate that being the case. I, I think they're still working through how exactly it would look, how you structure it, stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, Big Gerardo expected back. Chris, I, I know you provided an update early this morning. Anybody that's a Gamecock Central subscriber has already seen it. But uh, what would you uh, tell the folks who are wondering about maybe these final couple of hires for uh, for Beamer and Beamer said it could be or it should be pretty soon. We don't know what soon actually means, but uh, what are you hearing there, man? Yeah, the thought the thought this weekend was that good chance it'd be Sunday or Monday, and and so we are at almost three o'clock on Monday. I don't know why there could potentially be. I don't even know if you call it a holdup, but we know for the last defensive slide that you know the the new. Um, that the new defensive coordinator, who obviously now is Clayton White, was going to have some input into that. So Torian Gray is still a possibility. Um, you know, it, it seemed last night, I got some word, it seemed to be moving closer to there. Um, but not done yet. And Clayton White certainly, he seemed to leave it a little bit up in the air, west as to like which direction they may go. But I think they're still working through that. And then obviously the offensive line coach hire has to be made as well. But um, it does seem like it'll be sometime in the near future. Um, winter workouts, I think, officially beginning next week. Um, obviously, a lot of things starting to get rolling now. So the sooner the better, obviously, but they just have to finish out the hiring process on those couple guys. Yeah, and uh, shout out to Melvin who said that uh, Gerardo is already in town. I, I, You know, we had both heard that as well. So I, I, tend, I tended to believe that was the case. It was interesting, Chris, White – sort of sounded like it could be up in the air. But Beamer, when talking about, uh, you know, he was talking about how the defensive staff 
had some really good former defensive players on it. Uh, you know, Tracy Rocker, uh, you know, it, it was a while back, obviously, but I don't, I don't know if people realize just how good Tracy Rocker supposedly was as a player. We know Mike P was in the league for a long time. Uh, Clayton White, really good football player. But when Beamer was talking, he said this final guy we're going to hire um, was a really good athlete as well. He sort of made it to me. He made it sound like he already knew who that was, which to me kind of pointed towards Torian Gray. But I guess we'll have to wait and see and, and see when it's official. If that's the hire, uh, I think it's an outstanding way to finish off that side of the ball. Um, clearly, it's sort of as you said, come down to making sure it's the right fit with the new defensive coordinator, and, and that's going to be a key for this staff moving forward. All right, man, you got any closing thoughts? I don't today, man. Good show today. All right, so that's going to do it. Appreciate, again, everybody who joined us to the very end. Um, We'll be back soon, and uh, I believe we will officially, Chris, be able to announce some new sponsorship information for the next show. Looking forward to that, and looking forward to seeing everybody on the next show. Thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate the support. As always, uh, go ahead, think of some questions, get them ready for the next show and we'll be happy to answer them. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll talk to you later on. The world is always on, but you shouldn't be. Put Joe Sleep to bed. During Mattress Firm's Labor Day sale, get a king for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Save up to $700 on ceiling. Talk to a sleep expert and unjunk your sleep today. Mattress Firm. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.